0: This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema.
1: And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me as usual are Richard Hawes.
2: Hello,
1: everyone.
0: And Stephen Lockridge. Hello, this week, we've got three new reviews to talk about. We're going to kick off with the latest film from Jesse V. Johnson, Boudica. Then we have Bite and Red Tide Massacre. Our short shot is the horror short, The Offering. And then we have our DTV throwback, Maniac Cop 2. So without further ado, let's crack on. Our first review, then, is Boudicca. King Prasutagus rules over the Iceni people with his wife, Boudicca, by his side. But when he is betrayed and killed, Boudicca's kingdom is left without a male heir and the Romans seize her land. Determined to avenge her husband's death, Boudicca rallies the tribes from the region and wages an epic war against the Roman Empire. So, uh, guys, this is the latest film from Jesse Johnson, starring Olga Olga Kuryanko. Uh, a few other familiar faces pop up in this one. Um, you know, fans of uh, um, Jesse's films will certainly spot some familiar faces in here. Um, Steve, over to you first. What do you make of Boudicca? A uh, little
2: bit let down, to be honest. Um, I like Olga Kuryanko. I think she's been really good in some of the films we've watched recently like the um, what was the French one where she's like the copper
0: oh uh, the Sentinel Sentinel yeah,
2: yeah. yes that, I mean that, that she's great in that this I think it starts off well Um she's, she's really good but it, it just everything feels signposted you know when her husband uh, the king gets betrayed you know it, straight away you know what it, he's betrayed it in. and then like the final third it was just like one big battle scene over and over and over again. And he just dragged it out for me and just left it a bit weak at the ending. Um, but I thought the kids were great. The other, other performances were up to scratch, and especially uh, Nick Moran, He was a <laughs> right-sleezed little bastard, isn't mm. Um But yeah, I just thought it let itself down a little bit. It just became bit too samey. Saying like I said for the last third, no difference. And the um, like the Caesar or the Russian, sorry, the Roman king. Mm-hmm. I think he's in two scenes. Yeah, and it just there wasn't enough of that. It was it just felt like a, a useless war. To be fair, because there's no one, no mm-hmm. one big enemy against really.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. Um, yeah that, the phaser scenes made me laugh uh, really because he's he's prancing around in in this sort of like bikini briefs, um, and and when there's sort of you know the the, uh, the general turns up at the beginning to sort of brief him on what's going on, and he, he's desperately trying to keep eye contact, but his eyes keep keep just drifting down and then oh back up again and drifting down and back up again. It's like, yeah, I, I thought they were going to make something of it. It's like, are you staring at my crotch, in General? But but no, they didn't. Um, but yeah, it was very evident. it's quite funny. Um, okay, uh, Rich, what did you make of Boudica? Well, I have to say
1: straight off the bat that this isn't my cup of tea. This kind of film, you know, the the whole sort of historical epic, you mm-hmm. know, battle scenes, brave heart, all that sort of thing. I don't really go in for that. So. I I was here, mate. I was watching it because of Jesse Johnson. That's yeah. why I, you know. That's why I, you know. Tune in. That's the main reason that I'm interested in it. Um, uh, that it didn't it didn't sort of convert me into you know enjoying this particular kind of thing. Although I think it's perfectly you know you know good and serviceable mm-hmm. for, for the kind of film that it is. I thought what uh, as a Jesse B Johnson film, you know, coming at it from sort of looking for. You know, recognizable trademarks and things like that. Obviously, we've got the, like you say, Olga Korolenko's in there. They've worked together a few times, including White Elephant recently. Um, I think, uh, well, I know they've done that one. Have they done, I think, I think they might have done something else before, but I know they definitely did White Elephant. Um, and then obviously, you've got other familiar players, as you've said, like um, Dominic Vandenberg uh, is in a, a sort of a, a, a small, sort of supporting role once again. Uh, I always like seeing him. Uh, he's been with Jesse Johnson since the very, very beginning, was the star of his, of his first film. And the the whole sort of uh, period, you know, na- nature of it and the strong female lead, very, very much uh, reminiscent of Hell Half No Fury from a couple of years ago. Uh, I think there's a lot of thematic similarities there. I mean, both of them were sort of fairly shot shot in the woods kind of movies. Uh, about you know these gatherings and you know fight, fighting back resistance and uh, strong female leads and those. so um, but a very different story this one uh, it uh, there was a couple of other little things like there uh, there's the shots of uh, like the slaughtered animal scenes uh-huh. which uh, or the cutaways that, to the slaughtered animals which really reminded me of the debt collector when he was using those as sort of uh, yep. uh, sort of artistic asides to sort of comment on. The, the the nature of the work that um French and, and uh uh I can't remember the other character's name but uh, but basically the the debt collecting work the, the, the two guys um Scott Harkins, French and Sue that's it um but so yeah and always good to see um Jesse working more in the UK making a British film uh it's, a lot of his films have historically been. American productions. Uh, it, it really sort of started to change when he started working with Scott Atkins when he did Accident Man and um, Avengement. And Avengement, most notably uh, with Nick Moran. And uh, then, say, so more recently, One Ranger, which I haven't caught up with yet. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if that's a co-production, but that's you know that's about an American character in the UK. In the UK. So it's got a bit of a Brannigan kind of thing, quite
0: interesting. I can, I can see that being a, sh- um, a throwback in about two years' time. I think.
1: Mm. <laughs> yeah, really, I'm hoping to see it soon. I mean, it does look cool. Um, so yeah, uh, there was. Uh, oh, there was the, the action is is all you know the combat is all well done. I thought um, all. Um, I can't remember who. I know Dan Stiles was involved. Uh, and a uh, couple, you know, a couple of other people uh, bringing all the action together. The the stuff with uh, the daughters, which is like a, all to do with her mental state and stuff, I thought was really interesting. I thought that was all handled really well. Added a, a nice little dimension yeah. to it. Um, I mean, obviously Olga korolenko's transformation from like the start of the film to how she becomes uh, later on uh, more than one person, I think on. Twitter as 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 uh, commented on similarities to Avengement uh, in 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 that regard. The the stuff with the magic sword I thought was quite interesting. The film has a, a, a limiting limited on its budget. There's a couple of bits like there's a little bit of CGI and stuff in there, not too much, but it's obviously there. It's obviously CG, uh, and it's and it doesn't quite come off. I don't think. I think when, when it's sort of uh, working within its sort of Steve Lawson kind of limitations. I think it 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 works better than when it's trying to, you know, to emulate kind of something bigger. Uh, it, it can't, it, it can't, it still can't quite pull that off. But you know, it's it's good. And uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Yeah, the sword stuff with the sword. Like I say, um, there's that uh, there's a bit where the sword gets broken and she goes to retrieve it, and it's all this kind of <gasps> kind of um, uh, mystical sort of um, magical scene. And there's another scene where it's almost like it's basically a lightsaber scene where she like puts her hand out and like the sword sort of comes to her and that which happens very very close up so again sort of seems to be a bit of a, a limitation on the budget there but i i thought those sort of flourishes you know the sort of fantastical stuff kind of worked okay i, I didn't have a problem with it and uh, overall i'm not i mean Boudicca's story or boa Sire, you know there's different uh interpretations uh, or understandings of what her name was but the you know, there's been so many stories of the of that character of that character um or, or historical person. I know I'm not sure the I I don't know enough about it to know how um historically you know, whether she's more of a, like a Robin Hood figure who never really existed or whether she really is like a um it, it says at the beginning that she was recorded in Tacitus' um writings, I think. Was it Tacitus? Yeah. Do you remember? No, she was a Says real person. She did, and she did was a sack. Real Yeah. So
0: she did yeah. destroy yeah. Colchester.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really know uh, the, the whole. I mean, <laughs> so I, I know very little about this. I look. I look. I watched the film. It reminded me of like *Horrible Histories*, the movie or something. <laughs> bit like it's got a bit like that, but like with with lots, lots more blood and guts. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of decapitations and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So um, you know, it's very. Um, it doesn't skimp on any of that stuff. Action fans will enjoy it. It's interesting to see um, Jesse sort of pushing the boat out again, you know, trying to do something a bit bigger, you know, in terms of more ambitious rather than sort of um, uh, the sort of templated sort of action that he's kind of synonymous with. He's always trying to sort of, I mean, the amount of films he ch- churns out, He's he, every now and again he's like really trying to push the boat out in uh, exploring different themes and styles and stuff, and you know, uh, there was a film he did years ago called *The Beautiful Ones*, which uh mm. which never got released over here. I didn't get to proper, proper didn't get to see that, but he made that around the same time as *Savage Dog*, which was also yeah. where he was trying to. I think that was one of the first films where he was trying to um, uh, evoke a certain historical period. Mm. Uh, that's a Scott, That's one of the Scott Atkins films that I haven't I seen yet yeah. either. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I think he, you know, Jesse's. Sort of proving himself again to be, you know, the lead, the leading DTV action director. Uh, even if this one's not my not my particular cup of tea, there's nothing you can fault about it. In, in my view, I think it certainly ticks all the boxes. Um, it's just you know something like One Ranger is more is more my sort of thing.
0: Sure. Um, okay. Well, I do enjoy historical epics, especially sort of the bloodthirsty ones like. Braveheart and things like that and and this certainly was up my street um it, you know it's it's what two hours long just just short two hours hour uh, and 40 minutes yeah yeah and it does sort of take its time setting things up you know we we get a lot of um sort of life with the Iceni's, that sort of thing and and sort of get into grips there uh we do get a great little moment with a, a slave trader um where, where, where things start sort of turning Thought that was uh, very well done. I liked the mystical stuff, the, the the bit with the sword, where where the guy comes along and you know wrecks it, chucks it in the river, and she just immediately goes after it. Um, that sort of reminded me very much of sort of Excalibur kind yes. kind of thing. You know, yeah, not definitely. not the yeah. not the same, but it was that similar sort of myth building. There's even a bit of sort of Dune in here. In that it's sort of there's this sort of like. Um, uh oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, prophecy fulfilment
1: going yeah. on, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um and, and, and sort of people are Jane sort the Druid, kind, so. kind of kinda of sort of pushing a, in, in in a certain direction to sort of fulfil the prophecy. Um there, there's a lot of that. Um yeah, I, I agree with the kids. You know, usually that sort of thing rubs me up the wrong way, but I thought they were well used. They they are actually um t- sisters as well mm-hmm. in real life. Um it, it kind of reminded me a bit of the shining. You know, yeah. why don't you come and play with it? It's that sort of thing, but it's it, it's like, you know, as you say, it's like her mind you know, filling in the gaps kind of thing. It's so, like, you know, it, 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 there does seem to be some sort of supernatural connection to, to you know, a, a higher being or something, um, you know, and, and meeting a certain decidi- destiny and all that sort of stuff. Um, I, like, I like the thing with the sword, you know, because at first you're not sure, and then somebody goes, wait, did you just see that? <laughs> was that real? Which I thought was really good. Um, there do seem to be a lot of people out there who were expecting something on the scale of Braveheart with this and and have sort of like compared it rather unfavorably I think that is a bit unfair um I think he's gone as epic as he can there are even there's a few um you know sort of matte screens as well some some paintings matte paintings mm-hmm. um which I thought worked really well, you know, where they're sort of looking across the river and there's a whole Roman sort of town and it's, you know, it is clearly a map painting, but it, it, it works, you know, it was, it was quite old school. I quite like that. Um, I think the thing that really makes this stand out though is the cinematography because the, the lighting on this, especially, you know, right from the beginning, the, the sort of the night scenes and everything, um, the cinematographer was a guy called Jonathan Hall, Mm -hmm. um, he, he works with, with um, Jesse was, Johnson quite regularly. I yeah, think. exactly. Yeah, I think he's the sort of go-to guy, um, and and yeah, he, he was on Hell Health, No Fury, Triple Threat, mm-hmm. you know, and um, done other things as well. But yeah, he's um, very good at what he does, and um, and yeah, the way he lit this, it, it did give it that sort of you know a very sort of artistic, epic sort of scope um, scope to it, and it worked very well. Anything else, guys, for this one?
1: Uh, I'll just say the um I don't know if you recognise him, but the the bad guy from Tom Payton's Black site, mm. he was kind of the the leader of the the Romans who wasn't Nick Moran, you know, the basically the him. second the second yeah. commander. And yeah, and I it took me a couple of minutes to sort of remember that's why I'd seen him in, but then I could say, you know, the the way he was speaking his lines and stuff, I could remember it it was um mm. I, I quickly I did do a quick search on him, and also uh, Leo Gregory is in there as well, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to see. that that's kind of not the kind of role I would typically expect to see Leo Gregory in. So I thought that was a bit, um, you know, uh, I quite mm-hmm. liked seeing that, and James Faulkner. Yeah. But um, it was um, Peter Franson who's um, I, I'm pretty sure his first scenes when he's inter- introduced are dubbed. Um, right. They certainly see, felt like they were, but he's actually a, a Finnish actor. Uh, I thought he was really good. Uh, the he's he's done he's he's done quite uh, quite. He was in Black Lotus that we covered right um, a while back, which was that um, very good. Uh,
0: one. I think yeah. it was a Grillo and uh, what's it?
1: was it set in Amsterdam? I think actually movie. Yep. Um, which yeah, which I liked. He's also done the TV. Well, he, he might be most well known from the TV series Vikings because he's done about fifty episodes of that. And um, yeah, so uh, I I. I liked him, so I thought the cast was—you know—it's not stacked with names that people may recognise, but I think there's enough um, uh, interesting players in the cast. And say, I, I, I'm not overly familiar with this guy's work, but I thought he—he, he, you know, stood up to the challenge, sort of thing of trying to sort because of, he get he, a lot of a lot of his stuff is um, the sort of second lead, um, compared uh, doing a lot of scenes with Olga Korolenko who's you know, you know, got a such a vast filmography you know she's been a. you know she's only she's still only relatively young but mm. it's uh, it's it seems like she makes like <laughs> three or four three or four films a year and you know it's like a, and not just like supporting roles like leading roles uh, so she's you know um yeah so always intre- you know and then there's supporting roles in things like the princess and stuff as well but yes yeah, whether she's playing a, a supporting player or, or the or the lead in you know, an action film or a thriller or whatever. I think Olga Kurilenko is is excellent. Uh, and, and uh, uh, rose to the challenge of um, of the of what uh, Jesse Johnson had set up.
0: Cool. Scores on the doors guys. Uh, Steve. I'll give it a 7 Mm-hmm. And Rich.
1: Uh yeah, I'm say it's not my cup of tea, but I, I certainly think it's a good quality film and uh, people who like this sort of thing will enjoy it. So it's definitely a seven from me.
0: Yeah, I am going to join you guys on a seven. High seven for me, but definitely a seven. Uh, three sevens for Boudica. Go check it out. Our next film is Bite. Pursued by a dangerous criminal after a failed theft, con artists Nina and Yaz get more than they bargained for when they target a seemingly innocent elderly widow. Steve. Yes. Kill me. Kill yes. me now. <laughs> Please. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't think it
2: was that bad. There was a couple of positives. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too many but I thought the main actress is Cheyenne Dennevin
0: uh-huh.
2: I thought she was really good uh, her girlfriend Yaz I thought was okay but the bits where she was like high and you know talking just, to herself and just stuff, yelling just,
0: at each other Fucking yeah
2: beat. came out as something else mm-hmm. but she thought everyone else was terrible especially the father, the Gerald or whatever it was called.
0: This is, this. you know, I mean, how much better would this been if he'd played mm-hmm. it, if, if he'd played his role calm? Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, it took the, took the emotion out of his voice instead of being this sort of shrill, nasty idiot, you know, mm-hmm. like a pantomime villain. If he played it calm, I think, it, you know, it would have worked so much better.
2: Yeah, he was. Like,
0: every, everyone was like that, every, right, right across the board. Everyone was sort of turning it yeah. up to eleven, you know, just just feeding off each other's energy, and it it did not work at all. It was it was yeah. a mess.
2: The sons were terrible. As
0: mm-hmm. Well,
2: yeah, um, even the um, the gangster,
0: hmm.
2: he was just he he was turning up to twelve. To be fair, he was so <laughs> over the top. But I mean. I kind of figured where it was going. I didn't expect it to go as gory as it did.
0: Hmm.
2: To me, there was a couple of bits where I was like, yeah, we'll skip that 10 seconds. You know? (laughs) Um, Because it was
0: just... Yeah, yeah, there were a few, you know, admittedly decent practical effects. You know, some good sort of latex. Well, not latex, we'll talk about. You know, that sort of thing going on. I thought that worked quite well. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 start of it, you know, the the whole scheme at the beginning was to get these animal rights activists to raid this dog fighting um, setup just so they could nick three grand. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody died. Yeah. You know, people died in that yeah. in that thing. I, thing. I think
2: it it gives it the desperation that that they're, that they're into. You know, they've got no money, no nothing, and that that bit kind of gives it okay that shows what dire straits they're actually in, mm. but the performances just can't hold it they they really can't it was a very big letdown really for me
0: it was um yeah you know, i i had no i had no idea what the film was gonna be when i when I went into it um, so so that whole beginning bit it it just rankled me um yeah. well the, the whole the whole again structure of it you know cause we've got bloody media res. You know, it can't just, it can't just tell a story. It has to be all, all clever and like, oh, we're going to start at this point and then we'll fill you in as to how she got there. Like, Why? You don't need to. Yeah. It's yeah, done. I agree. You know, it has, but there you go. Um. Okay. I think we've wasted enough time on this. What are you going to score it? I'll give it a four. Hmm. I was aiming for a five. I'm, I'm going to stick with a five. That was a low score for me. Yeah. So there you go. A four and a five. Four bite. If you know, if you like a bit of gore, you, this you, you may like this. Um, otherwise, yeah, go check it out. Anyway. Yeah. Our next review is the Red Tide Massacre. A female TV reporter investigating the Red Tide environmental disaster in southwest Florida becomes the target of an unknown monster. Um, this is, you know, very low budget, Steve. Um, yeah. We, we, you know, we. I think I didn't hate this as much as the other, the uh, last one, but only just.
2: Um, yeah, I think I did.
0: <laughs> but let, let's, Okay. So the film starts with, um, you know, footage of this red tide thing. I I imagine it's some sort of algae kind of thing, which is infecting all the wildlife in Florida. It's killing millions of fish and all the rest of it. You know, this red algae, which is attacking everything, Steve. So so we get this guy who's an escaped convict running through the Everglades, being chased by Michael Parry and other people. Um we get these really we got this stupid, stupid scene where one of the cops chasing him suddenly stops because his wife calls him on the phone and it's yeah. like, Babe, I told you not to call me when I'm at work and it's like, yeah. Oh my god. Just so he can get attacked, you know, and, and really? have his gun stolen and all this sort of stuff. It's an awful, awful scene. But then this guy, he gets infected by the red tide. Algae. What colour does he turn into, Steve? Green. Indeed. Of course he does. Yeah. <laughs> well, as if as it, you would. If it
2: turned red, it would clash against his orange suit.
0: Ah, at this point. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's what they considered. Yeah, maybe they considered that. So, we, we, yeah, we've got this red tide massacre, this red tide algae infecting this guy and turning him into a green monster, basically. Yeah. Um, and then we have the town folk as, as mentioned, um, we got, uh, Michael Parry in here playing the sheriff and we've got this guy called Sam Schweikart who plays his son Tommy, who, you know, it, it, it's funny because it, it's funny how Americans treat law enforcement. You know,
2: yeah,
0: it's like Michael Parry's character, he's the sheriff. But he, he's, he was sort of voted into the position. He's got, he's you know, who knows if he had any actual police experience before he took on the job. And the same with his son, you know, they're going, well, son, you know, we were rather hoping you would become sheriff one day. How? How is yeah. he going to become sheriff? You know, <laughs> Just give exactly. Just give yeah, exactly what you know and in this film there's scenes where they're doing manhunts and things and the other cops are sort of like listening to him his orders you know And it's like mm. he's not even wearing a uniform you know <laughs> he's wearing looks he
2: pretty... about, he about 17 you like... the other time
0: oh god it's um there's a lot of that sort of shit going on in this one yeah um again you know it, there are one or two nice practical effects there's at least one good beheading uh, because this guy develops these claws yeah. um but the uh, you know the end result of this creature it's it's like something out of a you know 1960s Roger Corman film maybe that's what they were going for um,
2: i think that's but, all old good go argosaglex is not there's no money spent on this yeah. if you, if
0: if you think of the you know the costume for the Gorn from the original star trek series um mm. which is like this immovable head sort of lizard creature, um, then you're sort of pretty much there with this one. But yeah, you know, I mean, to
2: me, it kind of reminded me like the original swamp thing with tendrils on, on its face, yeah. and that was kind of about it.
0: That's about it.
2: And well, let's be honest, it is shy. <laughs> you know, there's no there's no beating around the bush. The performances are terrible. The action's terrible. Yeah, the effects. I mean, like I said, there's a couple of decent effects, but you don't even gel together. The film you've got it's, so many massive exposition dumps by this supposed journalist.
0: Oh yeah, you
2: yeah. know, and it's like, oh, we are we are destroying the world. We need to
0: get. See, to get I didn't realize Flash she was control. meant. I didn't even realize she was meant to be the main character. <laughs> you know, according well, to t v yeah. she's the main character. But you know, if you watch the film, it's it's. Yeah, obviously it's the, um, you know, the sheriff's son is is meant to be yeah. the main focus, and and it is quite funny that you know he's he's sort of like really against becoming the the sheriff, and yeah, all he talks about is his dad being the sheriff.
2: Uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he's got what was it a dive shop or something? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, which I, which I f- first thought he said dye shop, As yeah, a, like 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 tie dye or something.
2: <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah. just
0: doing doing like tie dye shirts for people. <laughs> this crappy it's, shop
2: <laughs> it, it, it's oh, not it, it's not good man you can't recommend it, it it's It's not, not. It, it's made for about literally 20 quid
0: yeah
2: and it, it's, it's been a while since i've seen something this cheap and nasty and yeah
0: i don't mind English cheap whatever. i don't mind cheap as long as there's some sort of competence behind it and then this didn't, you know, I no. mean the people making it will probably sort of point towards Roger Corman you know, or even Edward Jr. and say that was their their um, inspiration, but it doesn't make it a good film
2: No, even, even someone like Birdemic will probably say, yeah,
0: we're trying to do yeah. something like that, and it's like mm.
2: no just, just yeah.
0: know. How are you going to score it, Steve? I'll get it i get it you gave the other one four.
2: I'm going to give it a three, then.
0: Yeah, I'm giving this a four. <laughs> Unfortunately, a three and a four for the Red Tide Massacre. If it's your thing, go check it out. Our short shot this week is The Offering. When Molly accepts a job caring for an old man with dementia... She soon finds out the dark secret to his riches. Okay, so this is a nice sort of 15 minute, well, 13 minutes short. Um, we have this young woman called Molly who's taking a job as a care worker within this house. Um, she's kind of asked to sort of start immediately because the uh, the man's son has to rush off. Um, and she's left with this guy who's got dementia. He's He's usually quite placid, and sort of, you know, keeps to himself, but he seems to be sort of wracked by night terrors, and sort of panics and things, Um, and it sort of builds up nicely to this sort of great moment at the end. Um, Steve, what do you make of it?
2: Um, It was alright, it just, to me, it seemed a little bit too long in the tooth
0: Hmm.
2: to get to where it was going. And I've seen the head, it wasn't good. seen the end, but it just seemed to come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, the only thing he was doing was like flipping a coin, and then mm-hmm. he ran out of the house naked. Oh no, he was in a room, weren't was Yeah, in the background, and then ran out naked. The next thing, he's back he's in back bed, yeah. and this—well, I don't know what it is. It's turned up, mm-hmm. and there was kind of no build up to it. You know what I mean? I know it's only twelve minutes, but... Or 14 minutes whatever it is but there's normally some kind of slight supernatural thing going on maybe a few doors banging or something and there just doesn't seem to be any of that at all it just bang there we go done dusted see you later and that it was a bit uneven for me with that
0: okay I, yeah it wasn't too bad, bad. Yeah, I disagree a little bit I mean I, I, I wasn't expecting you know Playing it back over my head, I I could see why there wasn't any sort of supernatural sort of shenanigans going on. Um, And and I think there were one or two clues. There's a bit where she sort of gets hung up on this painting and this seems to be sort of mesmerized by it for a moment. Um, And and there are sort of a few sort of like, you know, is there something else in the house sort of moments going on. Um, the, The bit I actually really liked in this. Is yeah. that when she sees what is going on in the room, she doesn't bolt, and she's yeah. she's curious enough to sort of go mm. up to her and say, "What are you? You know, who, or who are you?" Which I thought was a great moment because you never see that, you know, yeah. you never you never get that moment, and, and I wish we had more of it. I think more people would survive a horror film if they had that sort of attitude, you know. I think Att-
1: that's a ref- that's a reference to uh, not a reference, but like the. The bit, you, the very, the bit you just said about the painting, where she's yeah. captivated by it and she's drawn to it, I think that is setting up that ending.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think that's a, a, there's a direct connection there because yeah, it, at first it does seem, oh that's really weird. Why is she moving forwards? That's 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 counter to what you would a, actually expect. And you're like, is that a rot? Have they made a wrong move there? Is that you know, is that a, a misstep by the directors or whatever? And you think, no, well, no, that they. they They've gone for that. That's a very deliberate choice. Yeah. And I think yeah. when you go back and like you're saying, if there, there are clues peppered through it. I watched it a second time earlier today.
0: Mm.
1: And there are little bits like, like for example, the coin. When you see the coin close up, there's like something on the coin. Uh, and, and as you say, there's little uh, indications or, you know, slight unease or, you know, th- some things are a bit off. And stuff that I think actually worked really well and uh, worked well for me the first time. But I think you, on the second viewing, you can pick up on a few more of those things. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you on, on that point.
0: No, no, it's fine. Yeah, because that was it.
2: Yeah, maybe, like I say, I've only watched it the one so I probably didn't swap him. But, you know, if you say you spot on a second time, then maybe you do. But,
1: well, you know, it's just like yeah. things like um, when, because he's, the, uh, he's uh, the old man's got. Uh, his dementia and he's not um he's just like you say sitting there flipping the coin and stuff and there's the scene where he's in the uh in the dining room i think it is and he's like looking at at like this open door you know you don't see anything there but it's like he's 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 clearly distressed Hmm. uh and then um the camera sort of lingers on it and sort of indicates to you that you know maybe there's something present in the house and and there's all the little things like um, they're having the conversation, you know what? Like, oh, you know, wh- when did you get? Um, when did you get the house? And how did you get all the money and stuff? That the, the uh, and then the yeah, son his is daddy kind of, was
0: poor. It, yeah, yeah, you grew up poor. Then yeah. his, his dad sort of turned it around and that sort of stuff. And it was all to do with the coin, isn't it? As I say, you know, he's had that same coin since whenever you know it's his first deal or something.
1: Yeah. Um, so. I think there's a little things are, are setting up that. Um, what I really liked about it from the from watching it straight away was I, I thought the production values looked per, suited it perfectly, uh, and mm. it really reminded me of a lot of Ty West's House of the Devil, mm. uh, in Yeah, I would have liked to see more of the
0: house. I must admit.
1: Well, that that I mean, the aesthetic of the film, you know, it's like not just the house itself, but mm. you know, the film House of the Devil, and it's got like this 1970s kind of vibe right. to it. Uh, and this one is, you know, it's, it's not in widescreen, it's shot in a sort of uh, four by three um, setup, which I think works really well. Yeah, so it was that House of the Devil kind of vibe uh, that I quite liked. I thought the it, it felt like it was like an older film, um, not, not, you know, it stood apart from a lot of the horror shorts and stuff that I see. I just thought it worked, the, the aesthetic of it worked really well. I don't know if you ever saw the film Dead of Winter with Mary Steenburgen and, yeah. and uh, Roddy McDowell. But that really came to mind as well. I don't remember anything much about that film. I don't know if it was the same plot as this, you know, like a housekeeper kind of thing. I'm not sure if it had any of that. But the vibe of it, that film, you know, uh, I saw it when I was very young. It made a, a, a strong impression on me. Uh, and so when I was watching this, I was like, oh, that, those are the two things I was thinking. I was like, House of the Devil and, um, and, and Dead of Winter. Uh, and it's a two, it's like, Three there's three actors in it. Um, it's it's basically um, carried by the, the the lead the lead actress for the for the most part. Um, but yeah, it's uh, these three performances. I just thought it was really really good. The guys who made it uh, are James and Vincent Coleman. Uh, we've covered a film that they did. I think we covered a film they did before. Uh, it was a Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan film. Right. Raw. I'm not 100 sure whether we covered it, but um, they've also uh, done the, um,
0: the Halloween. One as well, haven't they? Done
1: Halloween. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen it. It's in three parts: Halloween Inferno. Yeah, very well worth seeing. I thought it was.
0: They've they've put it together as one now. Well, Yeah, the Boogeyman
1: cut. Yeah, yeah, I definitely recommend it. I thought they did a really, really good job. I mean, I think they're really talented filmmakers. (laughs) Um, Say the fan films that I've seen that they've done, as well as their original projects like this one. I I I just think they're, they're they're putting out some really good stuff on their YouTube channel uh there's there's tons of stuff on there you can go and find and as well as like making off stuffs and, and different different things like that but yeah but really interesting you know very talented couple of guys uh and uh, yeah i'm I, I i i actually missed this one this one came out like six months ago but i'd only just recently caught up with it and uh yeah it was i, I was one, probably the favorite film of theirs i've seen yeah they've got a silent hill fan film as well, which I think is not yet released. I think that's still on the way. I'm not not sure. but They've got so many different projects and stuff. But yeah, it's a really interesting couple of filmmakers and yeah, I was really impressed by this one.
0: Yeah, same here. Uh, We don't score the shorts, but we do recommend you check them out. You will find a link to this in the footnotes below. Go check it out. Our DTV throwback this week is Maniac Cop 2 following on uh, following on from the events of the first film this sees our erstwhile cop teaming up with a times square serial killer um interesting one this uh i, I, I really like the first one i must I, 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 I hadn't seen this one i don't think um at all until this 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 time round um it is quite bold in, um, in what happens to certain protagonists uh, from, from the first film, because as I said, it, it's, it directly sort of lifts off. In fact, it repeats mm. the ending of the first film at the beginning of this. Um, and, you know, in the first one, we had Bruce Campbell as this um, disgraced cop who's been kind of framed for these murders. Um, and then, you know, he's able to sort of prove it's this, uh, this guy, um, Matt Cordell, who was... Um, yeah, he was a cop, he was sent to prison, got murdered in prison, and has sort of come back as this sort of like supernatural vigilante. Um and is sort of well, not even a vigilante, is he? <laughs> because he's sort oh. of very indiscriminate about who he actually sort of killed. <clears throat> we we see him sort of stop a, a, um, a um a convenience store robbery only then to kill the um, the convenience store clerk and this sort of thing. Um we got Robert Darvey as our sort of main character, uh, supported by Claudia Christian from um, such things as uh, Babylon 5 and The Hidden, of course. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's interesting, this one. There's a, there's a lot going on. There's I think my favourite sequence in this is, is just Ooh. totally bizarre. It starts with a great stunt sequence where this guy dives out of a third-floor window, falls onto a delivery truck below it, bounces off and then sort of falls on the ground, all in one shot. Then he stands mm. up and then gets shot by Robert Darby who mm. has the gall to turn around to the police later and go, yeah, well, it was either me or him. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? He, he's just, you know, he's he's just staggering to his feet. He hasn't... He hasn't even got a gun and he just blasted him away. And it's like, yeah, there you go. Well, you know, dangerous, strict criminal. Um,
1: But that's a great example of like a a very unique kind of one. You know, you don't see see that sort of stuff, do you? I I mean, it was just so well executed.
0: I was thinking all the way through this how much of it would end up being green screened or CGI'd. Um, Oh, yeah. if if it had been made today, you know, it'd be ridiculous. There's the whole bit with the, you know, there's a scene where Claudia Christensen's character is um, handcuffed to a police vehicle when she's outside it. And, and, you know, it's going down the thing. I mean, that whole sequence was was superb. You know, whoever was doing the stunt driving or, you know, stunt work on that one, um, I hope they got paid a lot. Basically,
1: Spiro probably, is the man yeah, behind all that. Exactly, you know, yeah. I and mean, he even gets the credit at the start of the film, which is, mm. which is quite unusual, but well, very well deserved.
0: Absolutely, yeah. That whole sequence, you know, even the bit with the cab, you know, the the, the taxi cab with its um, the rims, sparking and everything. Yeah, and stuff, yeah. All that was brilliant. Mm. Very well done. Um, and and then that sort of extended um, fire scene at the end. You know, the guy the guy set on fire and. Walking through the prison, all of that. Brilliant. Brilliant stuff. They must
1: have done. I mean, they were doing. That was another case where they were using some really long takes, Mm. and you can't do a full body burn like that for very long. So they must have really been pushing it, like really to the limit. Uh, And they probably shot um, a few different, you know. They probably shot it a few times to sort of put it all together. Mm. But some of the shots were like so long. I was like, well, I'd be amazed if anyone yeah. <laughs> didn't yeah. get like seriously hurt trying to, trying yeah. to do this because um, was you don't you say it's normally very quick, those kinds of things. And this was like going on and on and it would be all CG now. But they couldn't do it. I mean, they could have done some artificial sort of effects on it, but you wouldn't have got the quality right. at the time. So the only way to do it is to do it for real.
0: There's a couple of yeah. a couple of things. There's there's, um, oh, there's, the, there's the guy. Um, I think it's I think it's Michael Lerner's character, Edward Doyle. It's a bit towards mm-hmm. the end where Claudia Christensen, you know, she she had a wrist broken in, in that sort of car scene earlier. Um, she ends up getting taken hostage with um, you know by this serial killer with with the the maniac cop guy and and this other uh, black dude who's on. Death row. And then Michael Lerner's character sort of goes, bloody hell, look, you know, she's been in uniform back in uniform for one day and she's got mm. herself bloody kidnapped. Oh, what a cop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bloody hell. You know, we we watched that film, um uh, what was that one we saw last time? Uh, Ballistic.
2: Mm. You know,
0: and the amount of misogyny that was in that one was it was, was was, you know, off off the charts. But that that one scene with Michael Lerner thought was great. Um, the other one as well. Uh, we got Charles Napier in here in a, in a short role, um, playing this um, sort of news reporter, sort of sort of interview kind of guy. And he he looks in this film. He looks the spitting image of Sean Hannity. Oh yeah. You know, he, yeah, he really does. It's, it's really bizarre, it's, right, the way they've sort of styled him. It's a very, very prescient sort of moment. I thought that was very good. But yeah, this this is a you know it's a pretty decent sort of thriller. Uh, I quite quite enjoyed it. Um, Steve, what did you make of it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I had seen it before when I was about well, when it came out, nineteen ninety-two. What about ten or twelve when I watched it? Um, which is way before I should have done, but oh well. Mm. Um, yeah, to me, it was, I thought the script was really impressive. I mean, like you say, the stunt work was great, especially, you know, the prison and the police station massacre oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, that
0: was they were really that was. Yeah.
2: yeah, and I like the fact that it's, it goes deeper. You know, like you said, the Michael Lerner character, he has to do that like, monologue saying, like, right, okay. Because I'll be honest, I didn't remember the first one as well. I've seen it again, but I didn't remember it. And it's like, yeah, we set you up. And I liked the way it went deeper, that it was just, you know, it was just a psychopath, maniac, supernatural cop or whatever. It actually had reasoning it kind of, you know, closed the book at the end, really. But obviously there was a third one. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: again,
2: I can't remember. Yeah, I I've seen, seen that seen, one. Either. <laughs> I've seen the book, again, I can't remember. You're talking like thirty years, ago now hmm. So maybe we could do that one. I don't know. Um, I don't know what gives him the emphasis to come back. This, you know, in the third one again. Um, but the other thing is, is it Robert Zadar? Is that what you're yeah? That's who plays Mike? him. Yeah. 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 Great performance with no lines basically i think he's got one line yeah with his in that flat with his mate Maybe his mate, but you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but yeah all in all i've certainly enjoyed it, it a lot better than I, than I remember it being and i just think the story was done really really well
0: mm. Uh rich over to you mate uh so i this
1: was probably one of the ones i saw at like the formative period a bit like um uh, Steve was saying, you know, when it came out, I remember. I mean, this was one where the posters were all over the video shop, yeah. and uh, I really like the poster, I think it's really memorable. Uh, and uh, the I th- I'm pretty sure I did rent the film or get my, you know, my parents rented the film for us, and I'd never seen the original, so and I've, I'm still not sure if I've seen the original actually, and even now. I, I've definitely seen, I def- I'm, sh- I'm yeah, pretty I sure covered, I saw the third one,
0: i covered it, but I don't know if I ever went back. One. And- came out on Blu-ray and I covered it then, I think.
1: Oh, right. Um, yeah, the first one's got uh, Tom Atkins, I believe. Yes, that's uh, right. And the, um, but yeah, so the uh, so the film sort of leap. It's, it's really weird going back and you know, watching it now because it literally just leaps into the action sequence uh, from, from if you know it's the end of the first one. Oh, yeah. if, if you didn't know, you're just like right in the middle of the sequence and then it plays it out basically in, in its entirety. And uh, go yeah, straight into this.
2: Yeah, I'll be honest, we watched it on, on YouTube, didn't we? Mm. And I I thought there'd been a cock up with it. Because mm-hmm. well, uh-huh. there's no like, you know, studio presented by anything no, like no, that. No, it's no, West no intro America or anything. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just straight um, in. yeah, straight in. And um the there's just little things about, I do not I, I didn't remember the whole film. So watching it was, you know, oh, I, I don't remember any of this kind of thing, with the exception of the beginning, which I thought was really memorable. I knew, um, I remember the, you know, the bit where you, uh, you see him walking along, uh, uh, framed like his body is framed, that you don't see his head, but he's twirling the batten. Yeah, yeah, it's really memorable. Uh, scene. really, you know, well, it's, it's great how he's twirling it and stuff, but it's it's just really memorable how, it, how that oh, whole yeah. bit is shot. Around, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the whistling theme, the very sort of slight motif that that um, that, that they sort of weave into that, which I presume came from the first film, uh, they they weave into the to the score. Um, that was very memorable. Um, don't remember any any of the stuff about you know the the bearded. Serial killer and them, you know, becoming buddies and stuff. I thought that was already weird. I didn't quite get that. Um, I I didn't think that really sort of panned out quite. It felt like there were bits missing, especially when you get to the end, you know, that there have been buddies. Because he's like, he he goes to the, he's met, he's just met this guy. The guy gets taken to the prison. And then um, uh, Cordell doesn't really know that he's there, but for some reason, The guy's like, oh, yeah, my friend's coming for me, you know. (laughs) And he does. And it's like, okay, maybe, I don't know whether there's some sort of psychic link between them or something. I don't know. It's it's weird how that that, that plays out. But it does bring in this, you know, fantastic sort of Terminator meets Friday the 13th, um, you know, uh, massacre at the police station scene, which was pretty cool. Um, The cast, you've already mentioned, you know, some of the, the cast is incredible, you know. Got Robert Darby, who's front and center on this one. Um, it, Bruce Campbell and <coughs> Laurie Landon appear from the. Uh, was it Laurie Landon in the first one as well?
0: Yes. Yeah. So, so they, we, they, we had we, yeah. we had Laurie Landon on the Smoking Lamb podcast. Mm, yes. Way back when. Yes. She, she used to do girl. a
1: lot of stuff with Larry Cohen, yeah. who was the writer and producer of this yeah. and um, yeah. something. Yeah. So she's uh, they those characters reprise, and I thought it was quite interesting how they did that because. They kind of, they kind of get a lot of screen time, and then mm. they're off, you know, kind of thing. It's... And then the film sort of transitions quite yeah. awkwardly to these different characters, and well, it's weird no, because I, thought,
0: if it... I think there, I think there was enough overlap. Yeah, you
1: know, well, and yeah, and
0: yeah I, that's I, fair. I thought that I think you know there was enough there that you, you could, you know, if you didn't know, you could think, yeah. oh, you know, they're carrying on with the same characters from the first one.
1: Yes, yes. Uh,
0: but but you do get this moment, where it's like, oh shit. <laughs> but that's what I mean. I
1: think it's more of a kind of psycho kind of thing. You think yeah, exactly, it's, yeah. you yeah. think you're going to be following these characters, and it's like, nope, we're yeah. going to follow this these characters instead. Um, this is this is way before the X Files, but there's very much kind of a Mulder and Scully kind of thing going on mm. with these two mm. characters, especially um, uh, Claudia Christensen's character. She's very Scully like, mm. and uh, Robert Darby, Just do you remember Darkwing Duck? Yeah, <laughs> the cartoon. Mm. Yeah, and I was just thinking—he's walking around with that fedora and stuff, and, and the and the long coat, and he kind of looks like like Darkwing Duck or the um uh, the Mystery Man in the in the uh, Halloween. Uh, I can't remember if he turned up in Halloween Four, but he was definitely in Halloween Five and Halloween Six of um, this guy with the with the hat on. But anyway, but uh, yeah, it's it's quite an unusual kind of look. Whether that was Darby's choice or something, I don't know, but it's quite say the cast, the rest of the cast say we've mentioned Charles Napier, we've got to say Leo Rossi with a big beard in this one. Danny Trejo is a blink and you'll miss. Unfortunately, what they, they, they there's a whole breakout thing and then Matt Cordell's sort of leading them for to to go back to the prison and all that sort of stuff. Um again how how him and the other guy sort of work this out between themselves. <laughs> it just sort of seems a bit um they just seem to understand of what what them what they want to do. I don't know. If it, it just feels like this scene's missing or something. Anyway, Danny Trejo is there in that scene when they're in the prison, but unfortunately, he doesn't make it to the bus, so yeah. um, we don't get we don't yeah. get as much Danny Trejo as I would have liked. But Clarence Williams III mm-hmm. from Mod Squad, he's there with them, and uh, as you said, Michael Lerner, who we lost this, this year, uh, he's he's the mayor. The cast is amazing. Um, you've even got James Earl Jones' dad, yeah. uh, Robert Robert Um director, Robert Earl Jones, yeah. mm-hmm. who's who's brilliant as the um the, the blind owner of the um Newspaper stand uh, newspaper stand. Newsstand, yeah. And uh he gets he gets a really good monologue uh sequence sequences. Um Larry say Larry Cohen's sort of behind this working with William Lustig as the director. They they you know Larry Cohen's always got really interesting, you know, working in sort of low budget realm, but really interesting ideas, very cleverly scripted. There's lots of interesting sort of humour in it, a bit like, um, you know, like in Q, The Winged Serpent, and now we sort of, you know, it's, it's one thing, but there's, there's all this other stuff going on as well. Um, but the, you know, like there's that opening scene, which subverts that action cliche of the the, uh, um, the convenience store robbery and how he plays with that. Um, and there's a whole thing with the uh, the scratch card. And yeah. they do a whole thing. It's like, oh, you know, the, the, bad, the, the guy who's robbing the place convinces him to, to scratch it off. And then he's like, oh, my God, it's a winning ticket. And he, and he, gets, all, he gets all excited and stuff. And then it's like, mm-hmm. then the ticket's in the blood. and It's just these little sort of uh, ad, additional stuff. But it is really the, the action component of it is really impressive as well. You don't get kind of action horror combinations like this very often that work this well. And I mean that whole. I mean all, and uh, the bits you were talking about earlier, like the car with the wheels coming off and everything, mm. the the sequences in this are, 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 are unlike most I've ever seen. I mean they're really unique. Uh, that that whole bit with the with the car, you know, runaway car, and she's you know scrapped to the side. I mean, she she gets a wrist broken or whatever. In real life, her arm would have been completely ripped off. But um, but I mean, hats off to the you know this. The, the Stuar Rosatis and the stunt team for for those those are those those are action scenes sort of for the ages, really. That you know the, all the all the stunts in this you know wouldn't be beaten now. You know they're they're so good. Um, I don't know if there's as much action in the first. One. I mean obviously there's that big crash at the end, but um, I don't know if where. How do, have you seen all of them or just the first one, Mike?
0: Just the first one. Yeah. So oh, how I does this it. rank
1: in terms of its action? Combination of the action. I I
0: think no. I think there's more action in this one. I think they have sort of Hmm. up the ante here. The uh, the first Hmm. one is more, you know, a a cross between a sort of slasher and a police procedural. Yeah,
2: I think this one's definitely more action-heavy from what I can remember.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now, have either of you seen the um, Good Bad Flicks uh, sort of uh, episode where they where they cover this? No. I don't it's do I
1: have
0: actually. It's worth checking out. They do. They do. Yeah, they do a fifteen-minute um, exploring Mayneet. Well, they've done both of them: Mayneet one and, uh, and two, yeah. uh, mm. separate episodes. Um, and they, they go. It goes in. Yeah, about fifteen minutes of going through interesting stuff about Cla- Claudia Christian in in that one and and her mm. sort of state that she was in. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely worth um, checking out. I shall put a link to it. In the footnotes, along with the yeah. uh, the link to this film, we found a, a very good copy of this on um, YouTube. Um, d- d- is it not available in print at the moment? It's not available. On I the think you probably pick, a, pick up old
1: DVDs, but I haven't found it on any streaming services yeah. or anything. So um, I think it's a it's
0: fair game. Yeah. I
1: think the version that was on YouTube might have been a because it was in widescreen. Yeah. So I presume yeah. it was like a, a Blu-ray release or or sort of maybe like a widescreen DVD release that got ripped. Could be.
0: Uh, just want
1: to. Mention that the um it ends really incongruously with a rap song, which was a whole thing that people were starting to do around 89 mm-hmm.
0: 90.
1: Um, uh, yeah. it's the it's like the Maniac Cop rap, <laughs> Maniac Cop rap song, wh- which um, there's there's barely any you know black,
0: it's black, not, yeah, black yeah, characters it's, it's, it's in the it's film or anything, but they still have to too, add a
1: yeah. rap song at the end, like um, like they did with Ghostbusters and and all that. But uh, yeah, it's really it's really weird, very much of its time. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm
0: absolutely right uh in that case we're gonna wrap up uh, we don't score the sh- the uh, throwbacks we do recommend you check them out as we mentioned you can find a copy of this on youtube uh, we will put a link to it in the footnotes go check it out so thanks to rich and steve for joining me and sharing the pain of watching bite and red tide massacre the red tide <coughs> massacre which turns people green yeah. Um, but there you go Hopefully next episode We'll get to watch some better films We hope um, But other than that Thanks for listening um, Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Twitter At the DTV Digest And um, the Short Shots uh, Other than that Thanks for listening, tune in next time